Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsey back again to talk part two of the episode with Maddie Person. Part one was the Tigers that we dissected in detail. End of the day, it was promising and finished pretty disappointing like most of the Tigers' seasons. <laughs> so, so Pretty much sums up more life as a Tiger supporter. <laughs> but, you know, the Warriors, I think they've got a couple of more, more exciting options, certainly for your round one team. So it's going to be a bit more interesting. Uh, I Look, I'm one of those people that thinks that I give the Warriors a fair go. And then I hit some Warriors fans that say, Barzi, why are you so down on the Warriors? We're, we're a lot better than that, blah, blah, blah. And I sort of think, man, I, I don't think that I was that down on them. You know, I always say they're fringe top eight sort of thing. They're not going to be a top eight side, but, you know, they'll put in, they'll, they'll try hard, blah, blah. Warriors fans really, really rate the team highly. Um Coming into this year, you know, they, they're coming off a, a year per se where they finished 12th. Uh, they had the same amount of wins as your Tigers and just fell in front of them on four and against because they were minus 171 to the Tigers minus 214. So not great reading. Uh, funnily enough, their points against was right about where they were placed. You know, they were slightly better than the Dragons ahead of them, but other than that, they were, they were right around there where they finished. Um, the points for, they were... Better than all the teams by the Tigers below them, but actually not better than anyone above them. So, you know, they finished 12th. When you actually look at their for and against, yeah, it was kind of around the same area. They didn't really show a, a penchant for scoring head to points. They didn't really show terrible defence. Um, they were sort of just mediocre in both. So not a great season, but it has to be said, they've obviously had to be playing away per so. Um, interested in your take for 2022, because a lot of people will say, having to play away from, from the home ground is a big disadvantage and all that sort of stuff. And I, and I get that all kudos to the Warriors and everything, but you know, we're a couple of years into a pandemic now and I kind of made this point to someone the other day where it's like, look, there is something to be said for playing in front of a parochial home crowd, but these guys have been doing this for a while now. So they should be pretty used to it. All their families are with them. They have pretty good accommodation. So, you know, being away from home shouldn't be too bad because you've got people around you. But the big thing, Perso, is, you know, whilst you might not have your home fans, you're cutting out immense travel time from New Zealand to Australia. So, you know, sometimes it's an hour down the road instead of a six-hour travel time. So I would think that that would sort of even things out a little bit on, on that front. Yeah, well, you think their away record would improve without the travel, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, there's guys that have been playing for the Warriors for a couple of years and have been burning New Zealand <laughs> in the, under the way the pandemic is. Uh, the Warriors, it's... I, I like their squad, but then I don't like their squad. Um, it, it won't shock me either way if they finish 8th or 16th. They're one of those sides. Ball goes well. But SJ going back there, I think I, I like that. So it's going to be a nice touch for him in his career. He's um, a fair bit like Benji Marsden for me. He's not the, the out-and-out superstar he used to be, but as he's he's gotten older, he's, his game management and stuff has um, really improved. So I, I think he'll be a great bonus for him. He'd probably be really good for young Reese Walsh and um, Aristavita and those guys. I just, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's just one of those, if, if things go well, they could be pushing for eighth spot. If they don't, then they'll pretty much probably be where they were this year. Yeah, they always just feel a bit run of the bill to me, you know, and it's always, 
you know, not to be too down on them because I really like some of their some of their play and, and the way that they do play some of their games and the patches that they have sometimes a form are really good for a few games, but they just never have the consistency and just always end up just too similar. You know, as a club, they're always at middle of the road. And I think that that's probably the disappointing thing. You'd almost rather be in the bottom three for a few years if you could be in the top four for a few years after that. You know, you'd rather be like that and fluctuate than just always be around that sort of 10, 11, 12 spot. So I think that's a big problem for the club. Um, for me, I, I agree with you on fringe top eight. Like, I, I think their range for me is nine to 13, nine to 14 even. You know, on worst case scenario, they could finish maybe bottom three or four. Probably best case, they could just miss out on the eight. I can't see them making the eight. But maybe if everything clicks, they can sort of push towards getting pretty close to it. Let's have a look at who who they brought in, though, because you mentioned some of those names as well. It's an interesting um, off-season for the Warriors because they've had some some key signings that are going to make a big difference. So you mentioned Sean Johnson coming. I, I really like that. I think that Sean Johnson coming across is is a pretty good one for them because he's obviously coming home. I think he's going to be pretty motivated as well. So that's, that's not a bad signing for him. Uh, when we're having a look at some of the other good signings, though, they don't really have too many other big ones aside from Ash Taylor from the Titans. A lot of people are giving him probably more credit than what I, I think he deserves as a big signing. And Aaron Penney from the Melbourne Storm might be interesting. He, he might, you know, progress here a little bit and add something to the pack depth. But quite a few losses. You know, Lisa Armel's been there for a while. He's retired. Uh, the great the great fighter for the people, Kane Evans, is there and he's gone. David Fusatua has been there for a while. He's gone. Peter Hickey's gone. Um, Mamolo went mid-season last year. and Jermaine Tanel Brown, I thought was quite good last year for them. Um, certainly a, a good young prop coming through and he's gone. RTS obviously went across to Rugby Union earlier as well. Uh, Chad Townsend gone, Cowboys. It's it's a gluttony of losses. You know, I, I really thought, oh, Sean Johnson coming over is fantastic, but they've lost a lot of players. So it's going to be quite a different looking Warriors side. It's a lot of experience that they've lost. Yeah, it is a heap of experience on and off the field with that. It's, it's a lot of NRL games out the door. Yeah. So, I mean, the more that you look at that, I think the more worried that you'd be. Um, obviously, the the freshness of a, a new team and stuff and a start over, you know, there could be some enthusiasm early. Um, but that veteran experience, you can't really replace that. So, Harris missing for the first third of the season two is a massive blow. Yeah. Well, it's uh, I didn't really realize how much they lost until I really went through it then, and now I'm even more down on uh, even more down on them. But let's let's have a look at their options for Supercoach. Now, I think that the first gun that needs to be spoken about when we're talking guns with them is going to be Young Curran. Uh, I loved Curran coming through the Roosters. I spoke about him for a few years before he even played great for the Roosters in the NRL. And I was pretty dirty that we let him go to the Warriors, but it's one of those things where we knew we had the Butcher Brothers coming through. Uh, Radley was a, a 13 and, and the edges were pretty sewn up as well. So we just couldn't really fit him. Uh, he's had a blockbuster year. Average 67 points a game last year in 70 minutes per game. One of them, he came off the bench and he only played 33 minutes, for instance. Um, but overall, you know, he had a pretty good season. It was punctuated by four different periods where he missed time. Uh, and that's probably the only blight on his year. Personally, when we're having a look at his numbers, breaking it down a little bit. Now, there's two different types of predicted lineups for the Warriors. One of them has him starting in the 13 jersey. The other one has him staying on an edge. Now, in the 13 jersey, he had a few games, played 68 minutes average across those few games for only 53 points a game. 
74 average as a starting edge for his other nine games where he played an average of 76 minutes. So I think that the key here is, you know, if he's a starting 13, he could be quite trappish. But if he's a starting edge, he's going to be an undervalued gun for super coaches. I think he's going to be owned by less teams and probably what should own him based on his form last year and what we managed to see. Because he even showed a little bit of attacking ability that I don't think that he had coming through the ranks of the Roosters. The, uh, he was more of a worker and, and he's shown that he's improved his game quite a bit. So Karen Perso, he's going to cost you 586000 so he's going to be expensive. But if he's starting on an edge, you know, that could be 75 points a game. He's a footballer, isn't he, Karen? Uh, I really like the look of him. Um, he really came. It was a really the old-fashioned breakout year last year, wasn't it? He uh, showed everything. As you said, he only had three games at lock for that fifty-three, so you'd be willing to forgive that a little bit if he does get named at lock this year. Would do you, do you think uh, Brown are using the same way he used Tohu at lock, starting at lock, pushing to the edge, play bigger minutes? Didn't in those three games he did last year, but with Tahu out, maybe that's an option. Bailey um, Sheridan was the lock in for most of the time at the back end of the season last year when Karen was on the edge. So it'd be interesting to see if he goes that way, but they did have a few injuries. So what be there's a, a number of scenarios of the makeup of this Warriors pack. They do have a fairly stacked pack if they're all fit. So it'll be interesting. But yeah, I, I like Karen if he's on the edge, especially if he was on SJ's edge. Yeah, if he's on an edge, I think you definitely have to consider him um, even at the 586,000 mark. I think a lot of people will be turned off by the name, like he doesn't have the star name value. So 586,000, I'm not paying that, but he'll outperform a lot of the stars. You know, 7% of team ownership at the moment, that's probably going to drop as well. So you'll definitely get him in pod status for round one. And one thing that we didn't mention is, um, is the Warriors draw. The Warriors draw is one of those ones that's uh, probably up there with some of my favourite draws. So when I saw it, I actually said, I, I want a piece of it. <laughs> like, it's red hot, isn't it? <laughs> well, I was looking for ways to get Warriors in my side. <laughs> Which Warriors can I put in for this draw? Because it's just like when you're going through it, the start, they've got the Dragons, the Titans, the Tigers, the Broncos, the Cowboys. You don't even care what happens after that. That first five weeks is golden. That's the best five-week starting out of any team, I'd say. It does get a bit harder, though, when you're looking at the first couple of months because then they hit the Roosters and the Storm. You know, and, and those Roosters and Storm games are two weeks of away games, so they're going to be playing at Sydney and then at, at Amy Park. So pretty tough. And then they hit the Raiders, the Sharks. So another couple of decent games. Souths, uh, Dragons, Knights. Oh, yeah. It turns to shit pretty quick, but those five weeks is pretty... Oh, the four weeks after those five weeks is pretty bad. If Canberra hit back to the sort of form they were in two years ago and then I think the Sharks are going to be top eight side this year as well. They're hitting probably four of the best defensive teams in the comp in a row after they play those five plebs. So. It's hard too because you're going to hit that rough patch but then you're looking ahead and, and the New Zealand Warriors actually do play that round 13 by. So you're not going to really be wanting to trade those guys. You're probably going to want to be holding those guys for round 13, aren't you? Yeah, that makes it very tricky. Mm, uh, well, look, that first five weeks is just, like I said to Perso, I, I saw it and said, I don't have any Warriors and I want a piece of it. But I actually did have one Warrior. I'll give him away in a little bit. But it's uh, it's one where I've looked at Warriors to try and get into the side. No, I've got Karen currently. That's my only Warrior. So, so I've, I've got him in my side at the moment. So, I mean, you, you've got him there based on him being an edgy, right? Based on him being an edgy and that draw. If he's, if he's named at lock, I'd 
probably go elsewhere because there's so many options in the back row with a fair bit of value, I think. Yeah, so I think that the problem is uh, with that rotation theory, like he was doing with Tohu, um, I don't think he'll do it because I kind of think that Tavaga will come in and, and go to 13 and that Bailey Sirenen will then go and become the edge um, if he comes on. And then obviously you've got, yeah, it's. It, I think you've got too many players because you've got Katoa as well. Oh, there's a plethora of them. You've got Katoa as well, yeah. That's the, unless he's named on an edge. You probably, you probably but if they're not an edge, geez, it's, you could really win big by starting with them. Um, with Curran, I, I really like him, and the numbers stack up. He's at the right age. He's just busted out. This is this could be a really good start to the season for him. Uh, let's talk about fallen guns, per se. Uh, and this is a good one because me and you are going to disagree on this one because we've already had a few sort of. Well, I've seen some of our chats um, in various groups and stuff. And I think we're on different sides of the Sean Johnson spectrum, so. It's going to be interesting. Um, numbers first, right? 53 points a game last year. Sounds terrible. Wouldn't want to go near him. Uh, one of the things is that he did only play 10 games. They were all punctuated by injuries. I'd probably say a third of those, if not half, were were all injury-affected games, and that's going to be part of my argument for consideration for Sean Johnson. Uh, when you're having a look at the price point, though, that's a big thing for me. I'm going to say, all right, I've got Sean Johnson in my team at the moment. Um He's 462,000. He's a dual halfback 5'8". So when we're talking about struggling to get halves together or, or looking for value, uh, 462,000 as a dual half or 5'8", it's pretty decent, I reckon. I'll say outright, per so I'm only got him in my side to kick. If he's not goal kicking, then I'm not interested. But I do think that people are dismissing what SJ has done in the years past too quickly. You know, last year was 10 games that were all injury affected for 53 points. He's going home to play for the Warriors. I know it's a bit of a narrative, but you know, even if you look at the numbers, how they stacked up before 2020, he was averaging 68 points a game. So he's only one injury riddled season removed from 68 points a game, which is 15 points better than what his price point is. 2020 as well, he only actually had two scores below 50, only five below 60. So his consistency was right up there. He was first in tries this that year in the NRL as well, and the Sharks weren't exactly an attacking juggernaut either. Uh, so, like, pretty much between his, his assists that he was getting per game, which was more than one, um, and plus his conversions as well, it was like a 45-plus before you even look at his base, which, you know, his base was pretty atrocious, but he was getting there pretty easy to that 50-plus mark, uh, and that's what I like. So, if he's goal-kicking on a, you know, reasonably attacking edge at you know, the Warriors going home point to prove he's healthy, well, I actually quite like him at the price point, and that seems to be against popular opinion at the moment. I actually don't mind him at all. Um, if he's gulping, as you said, if he's gulping. I don't think he's got those crazy, um, massive 150-odd games in him anymore, the way he plays. But um, he definitely got points in him. And uh, going back home, I think he's, if he will be feel, feel fresh. And you'd be keen if he's, gul- if he's gul- kicking, he's a definite option at that price. Just on that, he, he only kicked in four games of those 10 games last year, and he averaged... 71 while he was golfing. I think he, 71, 79, 59, 75 in those four games. Nothing huge, but consistent. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that put that put people off a little bit and sort of created this narrative that SJ isn't the SJ of old because he doesn't go big. Like, there's nothing wrong if he's giving you a good price point for a, a guy that's going to give you a consistent 65 to 85 range. You know, like, that's. Yeah, he's not going to give you 150 points like a Turbo or a Teddy or something, but you're paying 460000 for a dual halfback 5'8 that's also going to play the first buy. 
and has the best first five games coming up. So certainly if he's going to have a, a bad portion of the season, it's not going to be the first five games. So you might even get a, you know, an 80 to 90 average out of him there. And maybe he doesn't go any tons, but you know, if I got five nineties in a row for him for 460 K, I'd be laughing at that. I don't care. A hundred percent, especially if the rumors about Cleary's shoulder are, are true and he's going to miss a couple of rounds. Like that's a good stepping stone for SJ with that draw to go to Cleary a couple of games in when he drops. Like I'm going to say he's uh, he's going to be a 65 point player with goal kicking this year. Like 63 to 65, I reckon, is the range of his goal kicking. So minimum 10 points under price. What's your sort of take on where you think that he's going to average? Oh, I tend to agree. I think he'd be mid-60s, especially if he's golfing. That um, 52.7 was oh, – his season last year was decimated. It was just injury riddled the whole time. He still managed 52.7. He's been fairly consistent. Like the, the old um, – SJ Rollercoaster went out about six or seven years ago. I think he, he ended up being a 60-60 gun a couple of years in a row. He was very consistent at the Warriors before he went to the Sharks and then still fairly consistent there for the first couple of years. And I think he improved as a footballer, to be honest, at his time at the Sharks. So it won't surprise me at all if he, he goes really well at the Warriors for Supercoach and for the Warriors. Yeah, look. I agree. And you mentioned yourself, you touched on it, how his game's kind of changed much like Benji's did. Like, oh, I, he's he's not he's not that same SJ anymore either, which I think is why people get carried away with him not being as good. Like, they they don't see the flashiness in the running game and stuff, which hasn't been there for a while, but he's replaced that with really um, really quite a good kicking game at times and also some, some good try assists leading the league just 2020, you know, number one in try assists. So, I mean, that's... You take that over the, the flashy, brilliant 50-point plays that he can throw in every five games when he was, you know, at his youthful exuberance, you know, seven years ago. Oh, 100%. Um, so SJ's definitely an option. He's in 21% of sides at the moment, though, which is a, a bit disappointing that he's in so many because if you look online, I think a lot of people are pretty down on him and I'll really look at him. Injury is going to be the number one factor, guys. So certainly, you know, there is going to be the rebuttal of, oh, but Barnsley, you know, he's, you know, he's probably going to be hurt within three weeks. Look, he might be, but you can't pick your round one sides too worried about that. I mean, at the end of the day, if he starts off well on that five game draw and gets hurt round six, you're just going to sell him and make a hundred K profit pretty easily. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that. Take the good points for five rounds and then trade him if he gets hurt. But by all accounts, he's, he's healthy at the moment. So I, I, I'm on him at the moment. I don't think I'll be getting off him either because he's too cheap. Fanua Blake's a fallen gun perso, um, and he's been a bit of a potish one in the past and one that's really delivered, but he's kind of fallen off since he got that contract a little bit. But then he, you know, it's saying that 2019, he averaged 66 points a game. 2020, 60 points a game. It's not like he dropped off a cliff. Um, 2021, he did 58 points a game. It was a year that was punctuated by injuries, though. Uh, he only came back for the first month. And then after round four, he didn't play again until round 14. So, Certainly, you know, the injuries played a part, I think. But he's now got two years in a row at the 15-game mark, um, averaging 59 points a game. Is he going to get back to that 60-plus sort of region um, in that gun status? You really want him to get back to 2019 form, which is going to be his eight points better than his price point. Um, when you're having a look at the numbers for, for Noah Blake, his base, base attack and clutch was about 50% better in 2019. Um, and that's really what it comes down to. The raw base is pretty similar. Um, so it's a matter of whether we think he's going to get back to 
you know, maybe upping his offloads again, scoring a couple of more tries. He only scored one last year, which is kind of low for him. He's normally, you know, three or four sort of thing. What do you make of Fanil Blake? Because he's right on around that 500k mark, which is decent if you're going to get a gun sort of front row forward at 65 odd points. Uh, and certainly pretty pottish and a guy that if he's got his base attack up, he's going to take advantage of that first five weeks too. But he, he's going to be a little bit disappointing if he just sort of throws out what we saw at times the last sort of two years. He's definitely got more upside than you know, Stefano. That's for sure. In a, in a similar price range, he's very similar to uh, Junior Paulo uh, for Neil Blake. When they're on, they're on. When they're not, they're, they go through periods when they're not. But they've, they've both got the offloading ability. They can score tries. Uh, their upside is a lot higher than guys like Stefano that we were talking about in the last part of this podcast. Um, I think he got pretty well scratched last year for him. It was injury plagued. He missed 10 rounds. Uh, the, the biggest issue is Nathan Brown and how many minutes he's going to play him. Like for, for a bigger guy, for Noah Blake's got a massive motor, he's quite capable of playing big minutes. And he did on uh, quite half a dozen occasions last year and coming back from ministry, he played it was around 16, 76 minutes, around 18, 76 minutes, around 22, 63, around 23, 63, around 25, 61. In um, 10 games, he played over 50 minutes last year. He averaged 67.8. So it's the ability is still there. I think he's probably unders, he, especially with that draw. He's got a fair chance of getting some attacking stats. He's definitely one to look at. Yeah, I really like him as a bit of a pod option. Uh, he's definitely going to be in the pod territory as far as ownership goes. Um, I guess the average 55 minutes a game still last year, and that's still equal to the most he's average, which was his career year in 2019. It remains to be seen if he can get more minutes. Now, we did talk about how, you know, Armour, Tanua Brown, Kane Evans have all gone. They haven't really brought much in, but it's, it's a pretty big call for a lot of coaches to be playing a prop sort of 60 to 65 minutes. You don't really see it often. So I don't know. I, I'm not sure that Brown could give him more minutes when he's already averaging 55 last year. Uh, he probably won't. That, that's the problem with him. He'll play 60 or 71 week and then 40 the next. That's that's the issue with him. It's Especially with the way the game's gone. Remains to be seen with the six again rule getting changed slightly this year for the, uh, the whether that'll slow the game a little bit and bring the bigger guys back in. But... Um, there's not many props that were playing more consistently playing 50 minutes a week last year. Bugger all aside from playing ass, really. Yeah, it's it, it's not really going to happen to many props at all that they're going to get those big minutes aside from the odd games which we saw with Fenel Blade last year. So that's probably the most disappointing thing, personally. Like I reckon that he can uptick his stats and also get an uptick in minutes to go up to like 59, 60 minutes a game. And that combo of him just being better and not injured plus an extra four or five minutes would really make him exceptionally appealing. Like I had him in my side a couple of times and he's out of it at the moment. Um, but I just don't know whether he's going to get the minutes. Um, but he could take advantage of the draw, like you said. I think he's definitely an op- option. 8% ownership. I think that Payne Haas should be everyone's first pick front row forward. But if you want a second gun one, I reckon it's pretty open. And I would rather Fanuel Blake than Uta Kamadu at a similar price point as well. And that's a pretty good comparison. Fanuel Blake's got upside. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then Stefano probably coming out and brain it this year. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Look, let's move on to one of my first pick players. This guy was my literally my first pick player potentially out of anyone. And it wasn't a superstar. It wasn't an origin gun. It was Ewan Aitken. 
And I was surprised at the pushback I got from some people that weren't really on board or were really questionable on, on having you naked. He's a dual center wing second row forward for 486,000. Now, first of all, he's in my center wing. I don't want him in my second row forward. And I've seen a lot of builds with his ownership at 23%. Probably a third of them I, I would gauge have got him in second row forward. I would not have him in there. He's, his value in center wing is so much more than his value in your second row forward spot. So I definitely have him there. The reason why he's one of my first pick perso is because Aiken is priced on a 55 average for last year. But in the games that he was playing on an edge, he absolutely brained it. Five games, excluding the sixth game where he got injured on an edge, played 80 minutes, 81 average. Uh, He did score four tries in that period, so maybe people might want to lower expectations a little bit. But he's a bit of a weapon on the edge, um, and I think that they will get him good ball and he will get tries. That first five weeks, he's going to score tries. So... Even if you want to discount his try scoring that he had in those those five games last year, you're still looking at a 70-plus guy that's priced at 55 that you got in your centre wing. And I, he's always had good base. Like when he was playing in the centres for the Dragons a couple of years ago, he had like a 37 raw base, let alone his tackle breaks and offloads. So, I mean, like in his base, base attack alone, he's getting 65 points for the Warriors. You know, so it's just it, it, 52 raw base for an edge back rower that you can put in your center wing, which is what he did last year in his five games, that's going to continue. And that's just, that's just rolled gold. You just got to go for that. And especially with the draw and the try scoring ability he has, it's just such a no brainer for me that I'm, I'm actually a bit puzzled that some people are doing it. And also, you know, puzzled a little bit that people aren't just throwing him in the center wing. If you're going for the one center wing that you're going to lock in, that you want the points from, if he's playing on the edge back row again, it's got to be in hundred percent. It's uh, at a price, it's a lot cheaper than other guys. That's just, you're going to get that 55, 65 points a week at your centre wing. Not have to worry about it. Warriors draw, if he's playing on the edge, he runs a good line. There's no coincidence he scored a couple of tries when he went to the back row in last year. He quite easily get some good numbers up with that Warriors draw. It's a no, if he plays on the edge, it's a no brainer, really. Like if, unless you, just can't afford to spend money in the centre wing if you because you're playing turbo and Cleary or something like that. <laughs> but um, yeah, he, he, if you're going for that one centre wing and then the rest of cheapies, it's oh, he's got to be considered right up there. The second row he played six games last year, um, average sixty nine. But the last game he only played thirteen minutes, so you take that out and his average was eighty. But um, as you said, you t- he was always one of the best base centre wings in Supercoach, like right up there for raw base yeah, consistently one of the best and his hit-ups haven't changed and he's just adding tackles to it so like, he's going he's gonna to get you 50 odd points a week just in raw base and he had a big game too like he he scored a double in it but you know he's well capable but like other other center wings that you got that will score a double you know they might only score 80 90 points he scored 128 points that game you know he does have a big score in him like that when he scores some tries yeah well, he had 62 raw base in that game Plus another six, 16 in tackle bus. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just love him. Like, he's he's one of the buys of the year for me. I, I just, I absolutely love you and Aitken for the 2022 season. Again, Katie, like Persa said, he's got to be starting on that edge. But if he's starting on that edge, he's getting 80 minutes. And 80 minutes of you and Aitken in your centre wing as a starting edge, he's he's going to kill it. And he's if he just does what he did, it's 25 points above where he's priced at. 
you know, it's just, you, you just get him in, guys. You know, it's not a matter of choosing which foundation center wing you want if you're only spending on one. It's my opinion, get you and Aiken in and just do the rest cheapies if you don't want to spend there. I've got you and Aiken and I've got one strike center wing that I'm spending on. So I'm actually spending on two of them because uh, I only want to rotate two positions, a bit of a different strategy. But you and Aiken, I reckon that you've got to get in first. So I, I couldn't be more on him if I tried. Let's look at a big balls pod that's being spoken about around the traps a little bit. Um, I like the sound of this guy more than I like the reality of this guy. And that is Dallin with Tenny Zalesniak. Now, he's a big balls pod for a reason. Again, for the new listeners, if you're just starting to tune in to the All Stars podcast, the big balls pods are the right out there pods, the ones that nobody's going to own and that, you know, a high risk, high, high risk and some reward if it can come off. He is coming off a 53-point average in 2021, which sounds pretty average. It was actually the best that he's done in like five years. So <laughs> that probably says that he might be priced at his peak. But so, so half his games were on the wing, half of them were at fullback. Um, if Rex Walsh is out, he'll probably have the fullback jersey. But realistically, you know, he's, he's probably better on the wing than what he is at fullback anyway, strangely enough. But I think the thing with him, per se, is he's a try scorer. If he's on the wing, you know, I've always said as a footballer, I think Wittenny Zalesniak always should have stayed on the wing. Um, I think that it was regrettable that he got paid big dollars to be a, a fullback because I don't. I think he's much better winger. He's a finisher with some speed. Um, and with that first five-game draw, he's a guy that can score points on that back line. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he scores six tries in that first five weeks. So I think that's where it comes from. Uh, I think if you look at his numbers... None of them are going to stick out as a buy. You know, they, they all look pretty terrible. And it's not going to be a numbers play. It's going to be a risky, risky play that you're going to play on the first five or six weeks. He's going to go nuts. And then we've got to move him on. 467000 not very cheap. Um, he's 1% owned. So if you, can get a, if you can get him to average 80 plus on that sort of four-game run to start the season, uh, you're going to be ahead. Uh, and that's something that you could look at potentially as a big balls pot option. Love him in draft because I reckon that you could flip him in a trade about five or six weeks in. Very risky in uh, classic per se, but do you think that he can just make the most of like a four-week run as a winger for this Warriors side? Yeah, I couldn't get near him. May well get some strides, but he, he's, uh, what did he play, nine games at the Warriors last year when he, his average is 49. Games with strides last year, around 24, he scored 47 with a try. 23, he scored 57 with a try. 21, he scored 51 with a try. 69, he scored <laughs> in round 19, he scored 69 with a try and a try assist. So you'd be banking on SJ just putting him over the line two or three times a game in that run. It's, uh, I, I could see him going over a couple of times a game just about for that first month, but it's just, it's all on gut feel with him. None, none of the numbers are going to back it up. I know the super coach experience. Um, he's pretty big on it. I think Savs really likes him as a pick, so shout out to those guys. I can see why is a really obscure pod. I've I had a look, but I've got to stay away just because the price point isn't right. I, I think if it's that three, that's the biggest thing, Barge. He's not cheap. Yeah, three fifty k. I reckon I'd buy him person. He'd be worth a punt. He could do a Jack Rude. Yep. Another pod option, and it's a big balls pod because of position, not uh, not because of the guy's ability. It's Reese Walsh now. Walsh obviously got in trouble uh, last year, uh, but he is coming into this year with a bit of a cloud as well. Apparently, maybe isn't keen on staying at the Warriors. We'll see how that plays on his game. Um, he's also potentially, if SJ has the kicking, which we're hoping he does, 
It means that Reese Walsh won't, and that was in his averages last year. So he did average 64 points a game last year. Um, obviously had a couple of those off the bench and a couple out of position. But I think that people probably per se are overstating how good Walsh was for Supercoach. Because obviously if you put him in, you have to have him at your fullback spot. And there's so many other gun fullbacks. And even last year, I saw people looking at him as a bit of a pod option, which I sort of get. But if you take goal kicking out of the, out of what he did and even discount the fact that he had, you know, two games off the bench, even his two bench games, one of them he scored 100 points, the other one he scored 42. So his average isn't going to change if you take those out. And he started 90% of his games at fullback last year that he played. So you know, taking out the goal kicking, he's really sort of a low 50s to mid 50s type of guy, even with some growth, maybe it's a 60s sort of score, but... I think people are sort of getting the lines blurred between the real life Reese Walsh and the super coach, coach Reese Walsh at times. Uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> well, you, surely you can look at picking Reese Walsh um, if he was a, a dual set of wing or something, maybe, but um, not at fullback, not in that position when you've got the obvious three guns that are miles ahead of everyone else. And if you're looking for a port, so you're going to run turbo and you're backing other. Positions and you didn't go with Teddy or Pappy, you'd probably go with someone like Gutho that's got a pretty decent draw. You look at the Warriors draw, would you? I don't know. You, you couldn't. It, fuck, it's a balls. It is a big balls board move to pick Walsh. Yeah, I mean he, he's going to be suspended till round four, so it's more of a uh, looking ahead um, pick. But that means that he's going to come back for the the end of that good draw, which so. is yeah, even worse. <laughs> Uh, I really wanted to bring you up as well, especially for draft, because I think a lot of people for draft are, are really targeting pretty hard. And I think that they're targeting him like he's a 70-plus point player when he's probably more like, without goal kicking, a 55, 60-point player, unless he improves immensely. Like, I don't think there's going to be any draft value there at all for where he's going to get drafted just because of his name value. And I'm sure that some people will think, oh, you know, because he's suspended for the start of the season, he's going to drop a lot. I don't actually think he's going to drop that much. I think that people are going to go a little bit too hard at him. So, yeah, not much value for Reese Walsh at the moment. Um, where there could be value per se, and I always like to look at when, you know, where you could find value in guys later down the track. Warriors play round 13. Now, if Walsh isn't playing Origin, uh, round 13 could be a prime time to, to swap over to a, a Reese Walsh that's gone down in value uh, and potentially getting a, a bit of a purple patch and draw again. I, I think that's where his value might lie. Yeah, that would be an astute move. Cheapies for the Warriors to finish up. No, there isn't many, but one guy that ends up in everyone's team at the moment is Pedo from the storm that's come over. Interesting because he's a front row forward and we need some of those guys because there just isn't any cheap front row forwards. So it's hard. But You, you don't uh, like Andrew Furter? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I already covered him in the Sharks one. I've seen some, some rumblings about the big fella lately. Um, shout out to the Whisperer again. I gave him a shout out last week. I, I like... I, like, like I said with uh, with Scanlon last week when he was on, you know, it's yeah, fifty percent of the time every podcast is right, fifty percent of the time, and it's yeah, we always have um, different views on the podcast, which is great, and not everybody hits, and you know, everyone's probably got probably the same strike rate when it comes out. We all have misses, but I might be wrong on Andrew Fafita. I really don't see him as, as being even in the seventeen. Um, but Aaron Penne is going to be 80 grand more. At least he might be on the bench. Uh, I think that he will be. Uh, I think people were hoping that he was going to start at 13, but I don't see that happening now. 
Um, but 287,000 for a front row forward. Look, if he's off the bench, when you're having a look at the numbers, he only played 33 minutes a game last year for his 33 points. You know, maybe he gets 40 points, 40 minutes a game, and that's 40 points. It's only seven points unders, but something that we've learned in previous years, per so is with front row forward, sometimes there's no options to throw on your bench and you don't want to spend there. So occasionally you're better off just going, I'm just going to cop a slow burn. I'm just going to have this guy take 12 weeks to make me money, play the round 13 buy, which he will do, and then sell him for 100K halfway down the season. Um, sometimes it's a better move than spending money you can put elsewhere on a, a 50-point fourth string front row forward option. I love a slow burner prop. Who was it? Um, Josh Starling was it about four or six years ago. Oh, it's an illustrious the list. Ultimate, There's so many of them. <laughs> yeah, the ultimate slow burner. He ended up making about 180, 200K over about 15 rounds. It was great. But um, Pedro's got potential, that's for sure. He's a little bit awkwardly priced. If you got that 13 jumper, you'd be all over him like a <laughs> skid marks on a sumo wrestler's Milwaukee. You'd be straight in yourself. Oh, you'd be with just about a must-have pretty close to it. Oh, 100%. But uh, his PPM is good. It's it, worth noting in uh, round 18 last year, he played 50 minutes and scored 58. That's pretty much all base as well. So he's got potential both for NRL and Supercoach. But um, they're just so stacked from middle forwards, the Warriors. You just don't know what his role is. You know, and Nathan Brown's unpredictable at the best of times with his rotations. He's a punish. So I'd be quite happy to... Wait for the team list and see where he's named. If he's not on the bench, I probably wouldn't pick him. i just sort of watch what happens there. Yeah, one of the interesting things with Penne is some of the predicted lineups for the Warriors have a bench, something along the lines of Jazz, Penne, Murdoch Masala and Bailey Sirenen. Bailey Sirenen, you'd expect to probably come on for Katoa on that edge because that's happened before. Um, and Jazz maybe at 13. And then all of a sudden you've got Penne and Murdo Masala, you know, spelling the props. And we've already said that Fadua Blake doesn't normally play big minutes and the other prop might be someone like Bunty Afoa. So it actually doesn't look too bad for middle minutes potentially if the coach wasn't Nathan Brown, but Nathan Brown does some weird shit. So he's the worst. It's it's probably a bridge too far to try and work out what he's going to do. But I think he's an option, especially if there just isn't any others. I'd rather go him than, than have to spend more. To, to get a fourth prop that I'm not even going to give minutes to. Big Georgie Burgess is pretty cheap. There is Big Georgie Burgess and he's, <laughs> and he's one hip. <laughs> We're spoiled for choice, aren't we, with cheap props? <laughs> oh, look, it's just a stellar time for super coach front row forward prospects on your bench. It's... Uh... <laughs> We're probably about three injuries away from me being there. So it's the, let's move on to another guy that I find a little bit more exciting. He's not going to sound it. Look, it's it's all it's pretty pottish as well. I don't think many people have hardly mentioned Bunty Afoa, um, but he, he could be the starting prop at the moment. And he's, he's shown some promise. You know, one of the great things is that he, he only played 33 minutes a game last year and he missed the whole of 2020. He's actually very cheap. Um, and... He's very cheap for a reason, obviously, because he only scored 37 points a game last year. But he was coming off the bench the whole time, aside from two starting jobs where only one of them he played decent minutes. You know, the one time that he played good minutes as a starter, he played 57 minutes and scored 55 points. 
And he's always been a guy that's been, you know, one plus PPM player. So you're looking at that 33 minutes going, if he can be a starting prop, surely that's 45. That's at least a dozen, if not maybe even 13, 14 points above where he's priced at. And he's a guy that's got pretty good base. And you watch him and go, you know what? He, he's got an ability to maybe start to get some tackle breaks as well um, with some increased minutes. So funnily enough, Perso, I'm, I'm kind of interested in Bunty. And I, I don't really want to be. He's 321000 as a dual second row forward, front row forward. It's more than I'd like to pay. You know, he, he average bug rule. But if he gets a change of role where he has to start, and with Armour gone, Kane Evans gone, Tanoa Brown gone, they're yearning for a guy to be a another front row forward that they can start with. He's actually a pretty decent option, and he's only owned by 2% of, of coaches at the moment. So oh, I'm going to be real controversial here before I pass over to you. Super, super controversial opinion. If Bunty and he's playing 45 to 50 minutes, he could score the same as Stefano to Kamanu. How's that for controversy? Uh, Matt Lodge is yet suspended for a few rounds too. And yeah, uh, Lodge is going to be out to start uh, of the year, so that's why it's really opened up. Well, he's a fair chance of starting. Um, minutes, obviously, is a killer. I'd, I'd rather put it, I'd rather a foul with the same minutes as Yuta Kamano, that's for sure. I, I think he's got more uh, super coach upside, but yeah, 54 from 57 in round four last year. That was the one, the one big game. Everything else. But he scored a try, I think, around 16, but he got 74 off 36. He's, he's, he passes the eye test, that's for sure. But um, yeah, at that price, if he was to consistently get 45 minutes, he'd be a fairly decent option because it's a fairly barren. Like We're not going to get any 175K cheapies in the front row. And anyone that's close to that, like your Max Kings or whatever, that's gonna, like the Bulldogs might get 20 minutes, so he might slowly make you... Uh, 60, 70 grand over about eight weeks. It's <laughs> it's really not a lot of cheap options, and it's a it, prop is used to be the uh, the pinnacle position in Supercoach at one point. Prop like you just you load it up at prop now. I reckon it's probably one of the worst positions in Supercoach these days. But um, so if you're looking for value, like if he starts, he's, he's got to be a consideration, especially for that pod factor. You might get the old the pod cheapy. I, I just like how he plays as well. Like he just goes in there hard, and just how he runs and everything, just reckless abandon. I, I just like him, and he's he's his name's Bunty. Like you, you got to just love him, but I have to correct myself because I thought that Lodge was out in the first few rounds, back round four, but he's actually back round two. So that kind of stuffs it up a little bit. They are going to be searching for some um, some middle minutes though. So certainly I could still see him playing forty odd minutes off the bench, um, but it's probably a bit hard to to gauge with Brown, as we said before. Um, he's he's potentially going to be their only legitimate front row forward option off that bench. So the other three guys projected could be back rowers. So, yeah, I, I could see it working out. It's a, it's really hard. But like you said, Perso, you know, not even just in super coach terms, but in real life terms, prop used to be the pinnacle position and that's dropped off too. It's just, it's mirrored the super coach world as well. You know, props is not important anymore and you just don't have anywhere near enough of the quality ones. Yeah, uh, the game's challenging, that's for sure. Well, that is the Warriors done and dusted. Um, do you need to mention the fantastic partner of the All-Stars podcast, Top Sport. Top Sport is a 100% Australian-owned bookmaker. They have often bets best odds in market. NRL's great on there, but if you want to bet NBA, the Super Bowl's on Monday. You can go nuts on that. They've got some fantastic odds for that as well. 
Uh, but certainly the NRL futures are great. I've already had some bets on to miss the top eight because I think there's some great bets to miss the top eight at $2.50, $3. The Newcastle Knights, get on them. You'll get two to one on them still. Uh, and some other good ones as well to make the top four too. So www.topsport.com.au. Create an account with promo code SC Allstars. They'll know that you came from the podcast to take good care of you. And they'll know exactly what you're interested in to talk to you about as well with the NRL coming up with some new markets coming up on the horizon by round one too. So get on top sport. Guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Perso, it was a pleasure having you on as always uh, with all your key stats and everything else. And I look forward to your podcast career relaunching sometime in the near future too. Cheers, Barnsley. Pleasure to be here. Um... Top Sport don't have a, a market on the, the Knights to hit the bottom four, do they? Oh, they, they definitely have to miss the top eight. I know there's a top four market. There might be a bottom four market. Bottom four market, it'd be great if you put in a multi. I don't think any of them allow you to because the bookies all know that you'll clean up. But if you put in a market for the, the bottom four, for four teams, I reckon I'd go for that. <laughs> That's spine, if Ponga gets injured, they're a smoky for the spine. Uh, me and Luke Garrity spoke about that in length, and uh, he's he's as pessimistic about the Knights <laughs> as you are the Tigers, mate, so you can guess how that went. Realistic, I like to call it, not pessimistic. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Well, look, everyone, you can download or stream us on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud. Make sure you give us a follow so you can see the episodes hitting as they drop. And also make sure you follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Get all up-to-date stuff on there on when the new episodes are hitting and what we're doing. Until next week, we're going to have a new guest on, two new teams to unravel and preview. Make sure you have fun with your teams. Enjoy the Indigenous All-Stars game versus the Maoris. That's going to be a great cracker game where you can see guys like Trindle and Hines as a halves combination for the first time, potentially before round one for the Sharkies. Great super coach viewing as well as real-life viewing. Until then, we'll chat again next week. Hey now, you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid.